1: Very well, welcome once again, ladies, gentlemen, children, whoever you are, maybe aliens listening around the world and outside the planet. So welcome along to the world championship daily. Day eight. You can tell I'm going absolutely insane. But this is what happens with the world. It is the monster of all tournaments. It's why we love it. And today, just incredible drama, stories, galore, some utterly brilliant darts, and also. The big story, two world champions knocked out in round two. We will come on to that in just a little bit. Jada Thieton here alongside you once again. Joining me to talk some darts with you is two debutants actually making their way onto the pub. We've got Lee Boyce. And Scott Mitchell. Scott, we will start with you. A very warm welcome. Um, we will probably get the translator out at some stage because you <laughs> are from Scotland. Uh, but in all seriousness, pal, you blocked the afternoon session for us today. Um, in short, you didn't do half bad there with that one? No, I tell you, as as I said to you before, I don't know if I'm being biased,
3: but I feel like it was better than the evening session by quite a bit. It's so many stories going on and I don't think there was a bad game out of the four. So, oh, absolutely.
1: Absolutely. And uh, like I say, ladies and gentlemen, uh, hopefully, w- w- you know, it's one of those great appear- things about the world. the fact that a random session could just turn into something brilliant. And that is what the afternoon session did. Uh, Lee, obviously you've been uh, working with us, obviously, uh, on, on a couple of quotes pieces that are going out. You can read them right now. Simon Whitlock and Danny Baggish. We'll come on to those stories in a minute.
4: But what a day of darts, mate. Yeah, very good day. I agree with started I think the day session was um, was better. The evening session was a bit of a slow starter Um, and only really come to life with the uh, dirt and cross-dame. I think it was a bit of a slow starter, but the day session was uh, not what I was expecting. (laughs) Certainly. (laughs) When you look at it on paper, you think, you know, good, all right,
1: this should be an interesting one. Uh, But it was a great session and it was uh, headlined at the end of it, Scott, uh, by Danny Baggish, the only international qualifier to make it to the last 32 um, what else is this to say he beat the two time back to back world champion AJ Lewis by three sets to one um, th- this was a strange game I thought because Jackpot just didn't look at the races and Baggis just punished him throughout ma- the majority of the game apart from the third set yeah he went f- like 4-0 up in legs and I believe in all
3: four legs Adrian Lewis had had darts to win them so it wasn't as if Adrian was a million miles away but you could clear just a clear lack of confidence, a clear lack of form. And I would say there was only about a five-leg window at 2-0, 2-1. We thought Adrian Lewis could shrink anything together. So they're thoroughly deserved. This wasn't a fluke by any means. And this is off the back of putting David Hett out. So no, this is not a flash in the pan at
1: all. Yeah, you know, he made the second round last year as well, Lee, the, 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 the and He's come back to the Alexander Palace stage today. And he's produced a really good performance. There's no doubt about that. But to say this about Adrian Lewis, to say he's falling off a cliff at the moment in time might be
4: doing cliffs
1: disrespect.
4: <laughs> yeah, I think the um, seeing Lewis perform as he did today, um, the one stat that probably stood out for me was the 140s. I think he'd be at about six or seven. Yeah, around about that, yeah. L- Lewis is a predominantly high scorer to see that such a low number, I think it really showed within his game, and that's why he was still getting chances, but Badish always seemed to have that up on him throughout the whole game. Um and like it says other than the third set, I think Badish had control. We you talk about that as you like you say, six
1: 180s were hit, but only seven one forties. So every time that he was hitting a 140, the majority of the time he was going to go and hit a 180. But what I find, I think, Scott, for me was when Lewis won the third set, got the 127 and game to win that, (laughs) he goes 2-0 up in the fourth set and then the first big fish of the tournament, for my opinion, just took Lewis by back. I know I appreciate he missed missed three darts in the next leg, but you just saw that one and just thought, and, and Lewis just thought, I've just produced some really, really solid stuff here. I'm about to take this back to a decider. I'm back on it. And then he goes and hits the fish. A hundred percent. You're right to bring that up because as you remember, in the
3: next leg, was had the opportunity to do it himself. So it's in mm-hmm. his head. And the Baggage wasn't on a finish for, for that attempt, was he?
2: No, he, he wasn't. Was on he? 2
3: one, six. So again, so I think that's got in his head a little bit to think, yeah, I'm just gonna give it straight back and with memory said my right he to twenty five. So he he did did bang it. on, that just put him, I don't know if he's subscribed to that momentum was a thing in that or not. And there was a bit of a debate, but I do think that Holtage's momentum big playing that one He got in his head and it stopped stopped the movement.
1: I subscribe to the theme of momentum Whether Rod Stud does on Sky exactly, Sports is another yes. matter entirely. Um, Lee, final point before we go and here from Danny himself on this one, the jackpot. He is in a huge danger now. Uh, he's dropped down the rankings, as we all know, like a stone. He's currently number 23 on the Provisional Order of Merit, but he could be overtaken by a couple of players. Obviously, Jermaine to Stephen Bunsen yet to play. Danny Knopper, if he wins his third get round game, we'll come on to that in a second as well. He could potentially jump over Adrian. It's a worrying moment that come next year, unless he addresses something, he might not be a seeded player for the World Championships. That's a
4: genuine, genuine thought on that one. Yeah, I think, and I think Lewis would have come into this time today very confident, more confident having baddish than Hetter with the full headers in, confident from how well uh, Lewis played in the Winter Series to put in the performance that he's put in today we cover over the next three, four months when we see what the calendar is going to look like. It's going to be a very, very important start to the year for Lewis because that 32 and dropping out that 32, he's coming very, very close. Well, let's hear from Danny Baggish, though. He has
1: produced arguably the upset of the tournament. Here he is talking in his press conference after his 3-1 win over Adrian Lewis.
5: Danny, congratulations. You've just been a two-time world champion. How are you feeling? <sighs>
2: over the moon uh I, I know what kind of player he is everyone knows what kind of player he is and he he caught fire there for a minute and i, I kind of kept my composure looking over to my family and just kind of saying just take a deep breath and, and play your own dart you can't control what he does you got to expect them to do that and i was lucky enough to get through
5: i think a lot of people watching at home or wherever won't be aware of the situation you found yourself in <laughs> over the like last 24 hours can you just
2: explain what that is. Yeah, I got a, I got a, a message in the morning, uh, probably, I don't know, maybe 9, 10 in the morning from uh, my sister, and uh, she didn't mean to send it to me knowing that I was over here. <laughs> uh, my my uh, oldest brother uh, suffered a severe stroke, and he had to be brought into emergency surgery uh, to get the clot out the brain, and uh, he's in ICU as we speak. Harrison, I love you. This is, uh, this is for you.
5: How have you managed? To go and do what you have just done, despite that happening.
2: Yeah, I, I, once I got the uh, once I got the message, I, I you know we're all human. I let out a, a bag of emotions and just uh, I reached out to the first person I reached out to just because he's been so great was Devin Peterson, and uh, he gave me kind of his story and and telling me that you know do it for him. It's just. Take it, you know. There's nothing you can take a positive out of that, right? But but you're, you're here, and, and you're here to play the world championships. Have him on your heart, have him, and play for him. And I'd seen him actually in the practice room right before I left to come here, and um, he asked me if I was okay. I told him as well, as much as I can be, and he's like, just just keep your heart and keep him in in your thoughts and focus on the hand at task and do it for him.
5: In that final set came from 2 and down, you about a 170, you managed to get over the line. Have you successfully managed to box off everything from the last couple of days and just focus on the William Earl World Championship?
2: Yeah, uh, I, I, I tend to just kind of, like when I played Damon, I, I felt like I, I got into a rhythm, into his rhythm and got faster. And uh, a couple people kind of messaged me just saying, you know, uh, Benny Durst, Jeff Smith, just kind of calm down and play your own game. Uh, don't don't feed into the pace. Uh, you know, just play your own game, and we know how how well you can score. We know how well you can finish. Just just do you, and uh, that's what I posted on Facebook. I'm a big uh, a social media guy because I just love watching. I love watching everyone's comments and so forth. And um, I, I kind of just focused on me, and and once again, just uh, just got through it.
5: You've taken out one of the most highly rated unseeded players. You've taken out a two-time winner. Of this title, now you've got a three-time world champion and the reigning Premier
2: League champion in Glenn Doran. hmm Yeah. The, uh, I mean, you're at the world championship, so it's not going to get any better, All right. It's it's not going to get any easier. Uh, but I can't. Once again, I can't focus on what he does. We know he's a class player. Uh, I've been keeping track of him from the BDO days and and so forth, and I just have to do what I do. And and if I do that, and I play as well as I did today, and I score as well as I did, and Hit the doubles like I'm supposed to. I, I can I feel like I can beat anyone.
5: Maybe credit to yourself and your family well done.
2: Daniel. Thank you.
6: Dan huge congratulations, looking the result and everything you've been through. The fact that we're in such a chaotic period, obviously you can't travel. Did that make it not easier, but take your mind off at the fact that you couldn't have gone home if you wanted to with the family problem?
2: Yeah, that's a great point because you know if if who knows, <coughs> excuse me, who knows if that option was there to say that uh, I'm a big family person. You know, I got my kids and uh, my girls here with me and so forth. My uncle and his wife and uh, <coughs> if that option was there, who's to know that I you know I, I would never want to I never want to quit, but. My, my, I've lost my mom, my dad, and and my brother and two sisters is is basically what I have in uh, in family wise. So who who knows that I would have just you know up and left, but because I was not able to, you know, I, I had to focus on the the task at hand and maybe that just got me through it.
6: What's the reaction been like back home to your results here? Is it is it been off, off the scale, and is this doing darts in North America absolute wonders?
2: I don't know if it's necessary. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, just uh, we, we know that the years have, uh, that have gone by for the William Hill World Championships, that we we haven't made a run here, whether it's first round or second round. No disrespect to Darren, Lay or anyone else that, that's come. Um, this year, we uh, the four that came played so well. Uh, myself, Matt Campbell, Danny Lowby, uh, Jeff Smith, of course. And I, I think, once again, uh, CDC is doing what they need to to get all of us uh, right and, and compete with everyone over here. And, you know, we, we, we know that we're huge underdogs. Maybe they don't, but I know I am. You know, no one picked me, but I am i don't care. It's, I'm not playing for them. I'm playing for myself. I know I can win. So, it happened today as well.
6: During the game, were you aware that Adrian switched darts halfway through?
2: No, I don't pay attention to what he does. But, uh, no, I, I didn't know. Uh, I mean, God, that must be when he was just hitting everything. And uh, I keep uh, – I thought with Adrian Lewis' starts. I don't know if anyone noticed, but I actually thought with the Gen 2 uh, – Gen 3s maybe. Uh, but I, I just expected that from the start. I know he struggled at the beginning, and I had to take advantage of it. But, he, you know, he, he was so nice in backstage as well. And just to say, share a stage with a two-time world champion is it's just an honor. I was just lucky enough to win today. That
6: final set, when the 91 finish went – did you think that was the moment that you
2: got your man because he looked broken at the back of the stage when you said that? Ah. Yeah, yeah. Well, he was. Well, um, I know I didn't have to shoot the 170, but I also knew if I hit it, maybe that kind of puts the thoughts in his head. Um, you know, I, I don't know what they think. They're they're professionals. So, <laughs> um, but when I hit the 91 and he's sitting there waiting to pounce and, and force a deciding set with the throw, um, yeah, I, I felt like that that could have been it. And take a deep breath you know, come out with 100 or better, and I held my composure and and come across the line.
6: Danny, congratulations on here. Thank you very much. Thank you. Danny, we haven't seen a a major star in North America since since John Park, really. Do you think you could be that man?
2: Uh, I think, uh, why not? Uh, I think anyone that uh, the top 10 players in in North America uh, is going to show that, whether it's this year, next year, or the years to come. Uh, but right now, yeah, why not? Why not me? I, I'm playing well enough. Uh, everything's everything's clicking right now, so I, I don't see why I can't create my own story.
6: After beating the caliber of player you have in the, in the first two rounds, do you now believe that anything can happen after Christmas?
2: Yeah, I believe that the minute I, I, I came here. Uh, even in the first round, everyone knows that I probably had the toughest first-round draw uh, in the field, so uh, I knew that. And, and things like that doesn't bother me. It kind of gives me a little fire. And, um, but I, I can't win the whole thing unless I win the first round or the second round. So here we are at the third round. Oh, pretty
6: interesting time, Danny.
2: Thank
1: you. Wow. Um, yeah, that's, um, <laughs> that's quite emotional um, from Danny. And, and rightly so. Um, first of all, and I'm, I'm speaking to everybody here on Online Darts, we wish his brother the very best. Um, as you've been rushed hospital, obviously, as you heard there, but suffering from a severe stroke. Um, but, Scott, to go up there, and do, you can see, obviously, why he was so emotional after winning that game, but to go up there and be, let's be honest, no mug, a two-time back-to-back world champion, that takes some really, really solid stuff to go and do that. And I think, and more to the point, that him, Baggish, Campbell as well, and Matt Campbell, if they're in if they go to Q school and they get tour cards, that the, the North Americans are coming, man. Man, it's not before time to be honest. As
3: they mentioned it in skies since John Park, which has just been a desert ability, of course, my time. But yeah, no, again, to go and produce that performance, it wasn't absolutely amazing, but I think that's more impressive if that sounds I don't know it's a bizarre thing to say, but the fact that he was so steady throughout, there was no peaks and troughs to his game. He played a steady level. Both the mid 90s average throughout the full game, with all of that run through his head and amongst Covid and amongst the bubble, it's, that shows bottle. It really does bottle brilliance and shows he could make it under the high pressure situations. It doesn't you know, really so get that much that's
1: worse than that, it? He yeah, about to say, and obviously Danny Lorby as well, who played some brilliant stuff against Ron Sell in that first mm. round game as well. The North Americans are coming alongside, my name's Jeff, who is the, uh, the, the flag bearer on that one in Jeff Smith. Uh, Lee, we've got to move it on, uh, and we've got to talk about the other world champion that was, sent, that was sent packing today, and I mentioned it on the podcast last night, what is a Rob Cross? Um, I, I still don't know the answer to this, really, about what is a Rob Cross, Um, because for a while it looked like he was getting back to somewhere near his B game. In other times, he didn't look anywhere near on it. And Dirk, I think, Dirk probably could have won the game sooner if he had managed to hit his doubles. He was 12-41 on the outer ring. He had chances to win legs in the first and third set, went whitewashes on the fourth set. But that was a really, really
4: just a good, solid game of darts between the pair. Yeah, and I think, like you mentioned, with the doubles, Dirt had the opportunity in set three, I believe, where he had uh, three darts in one lead, three darts in another lead, which would have took that set. He could have won a lot more convincingly. The final set from Dirt was outstanding, mainly around that treble 19 hitting. That last lead was just unbelievable with a treble 19 hitting. One thing that I thought with Rob Frost today, it seems to be even slower Approaching that main double, and I know he's always took his time and took the approach to step back. But it seemed like today it was another two, three, four seconds on top of the normal Rob Cross weight and step back. And I don't think it's helping his game at all.
3: Sorry, if I can just jump in. We noticed that with that pause again with Dimitri, and they mentioned it in the commentary that the lack of crowds might be playing a part with that just because they know that they can take that extra second without getting jeered. It's maybe not a good thing, as you say, but because they have it, they feel as if it's
1: going to benefit them from using it. Here's an interesting one. Again, Scott, you can come on off, of, off the back of this as well, but for both of you, do you think that cross miscounting on the one three four to try and take it out of the final leg? Because that's what Wayne Marl was suggesting on Twitter. I don't know because because he, he obviously went because he went treble eighteen treble eighteen, which is like okay, brave way to go, but. Um, but there we go. he just didn't look right towards that final leg. But that ninety-nine checkout, Scott, for the Orb Genius when he's hit, he's hit seven treble nineteens in that leg to go and find a twelve data against the throw for the match. Take some stones. It takes some stones
3: after you've missed. I don't know the exact number, but as you said. Bucket loads of doubles in the match up until that point. Mm. Watching it live, I felt like there's probably about a twenty percent chance that this is going to go in. That it's a good, it's a good time to hit your double first start, isn't it? So yeah, nothing played. He did the, the right things at the right moments. You know.
1: All right, Michael van Michael van <laughs> Gerwen's on the podcast, everybody. I love that. Uh, this is a big one as well. Um, big moment for Cross at the moment, uh, Lee, because looking at the order of merit. Again, it will take a bit of it will take something probably for someone to overtake him as world number four. But now that world number four spot for him is in jeopardy because he's got to go and try and find some way to defend a world match play title next year and a European Championship. Rob Cross, if he's not careful, could I don't suggest he'll be falling as much as Adrian Lewis, but he'll be falling down the rankings.
4: Yeah, 100%. And I think in in these sort of games, like we've seen this him stepping back on that, just a to touch back on that one. It seems like he's still trying to experiment with his name to find what is the right fit for him, which obviously isn't the right time to do that at the World Championships. And then moving forward, if he hasn't rectified that into the new year, that slips surely don't happen.
1: And finally, before we hear from Dirk, just a quick one here, gentlemen. One of Dirk, Adam Hunt, Danny Bagish, or Glenn Durant will be in the quarterfinals on New Year's Day. That section of the draw is absolutely wide open again.
3: <laughs> oh, bang on. I don't want to say that they're lucky boys because that's a harsh thing. They're all no, I agree. Games, no, I'm but, with you. But yes, when you compare it to the, the other sections, yes, I would, I would drop myself in that. If you ask me for a name out of those, I would say Duck is playing probably head and shoulders above them. I don't know if that's harsh. That
1: would be what I would say. No, I, I, I don't disagree there I look I mean Adam's played some really solid stuff he hmm. looked against Jamie Hughes and Lisa Ashton I think that it will be a tough test for him against Dirk Glenn will probably be happy uh, to probably get Danny Baggish rather than Jackpot but you know it, let's not let's not you know say that Danny Danny's no mug about to say um, would, uh, Lee where, where would you go where would you put your virtual pound out of those four names to potentially make the quarters i
4: oh, I think going on the basis of the form that Dirt has had over the last few months, that's where my pound would be going. You look at the names and I think Doran would stand out. Obviously, what happened with um, him being tested for COVID, his performances since then haven't been as strong as what there was before. So for me, I think Dirt would probably be the favourite out of that ball. Um, I won't be putting a pound anywhere because it took the whole <laughs> absolute <laughs> for every thousand <laughs> It's a very, very
1: good point. Well, let's hear from our sort of favourite to potentially make that quarterfinal lineup lineup uh, in the World Darts Championship. Of course, he made the final of the last set play event, the Boyle Sports World Grand Prix. He's now into the last 32 of the World Darts Championship. Here is the all genius himself, Dirk van Bijvenbode.
5: Congratulations, Dirk. What is going through your head in that little pause or trying
7: to take out 99 to win a last leg decider and knock out a former world champion? <clears throat> I went on. No, that's not going in. So I went back, <laughs> went back, and that's a going in, that's not going in as well. So I stepped back, I was like, OK, if you don't hit it, then we go top stops. And I was like, OK, compose yourself. You've hit six treble 90s in nine dots, just hit the treble 19 and then we'll go for it. And it went in.
5: You did not miss trouble 19 in that last leg. You must have felt like the better player throughout that match, but leaving it so late to get your nose in front. I mean, it must have been stressful.
7: Yeah, yeah. It was in my head that I should have won the third set. <clears throat> I thought I could have won the first set, but I started the first three legs without a treble. and apart from the three first of, of the, the three starting scores, I was still close every leg. And I miss a 90, it's a 90, it goes 3 1 up. And he, I saw in his head, he, he yelled a lot for the, for the 3 1. I was like, you don't do that if you're confident for the win. That, that's what I thought and that's what I kept in my head to keep on going.
5: Very different from your opening game at the William Mill World Championship. You started well and then kept on going and, and managed to turn it around. Do you think you can maintain that level of performance for the entire tournament?
7: What was the average? <clears throat>
5: uh, it was 96-ish, I think, 95.
7: Yeah, it's a normal game. Well, in my, in my head, not being arrogant, but uh, I think was, uh, I can do better than that.
5: It's about performing in the big moments in these set-play games, though, isn't it? And it doesn't come bigger than last-leg deciders. Of being able to do that, a lot of players just don't produce those kind of legs in those situations.
7: But I think it was three-one down. I hit a good leg as well. 2-1 down in the last set. I, I was down, and then with the, I think I hit a one-eighty, ton, ton forty, ton eighty. <clears throat> so it was not all about the last leg because I thought I was behind leg like before, and I composed myself by hitting one-eighty.
5: How big a moment in your career is beating a world champion at the William Hill World Championship, particularly in the way that you did?
7: Like. What do you mean? That I'll be the world champion?
5: Yeah, how, how big is this for you? I mean, we saw you at the Grand Prix final, that was a big thing, but this is, this is a big moment as well, isn't
7: it? Yeah, it is in a way, but it just, how you look at it, <clears throat> I had interviews that say, What is your goal to, to reach in the world? And I said, I, I said Well, at least a quarter final. And they said, That's a high goal. And I said, Well, I reached three quarter finals and lost four television events. Why would I say lost 32 or lost 16? Mm-hmm. Apart from that, you, you're playing a world champion, and uh, the world championships are different. You've got the biggest player who can't, the biggest players who can't perform in the worlds because the pressure is so high. I'm not sure what the reason is, but but let's say James Wade. He won a lot of titles. He never won a world. Where he, if you see how good he is, he should have won at least two world titles. So yeah, it's a big thing, and but still, I think it's still a television event, even though it's so much more attention for it. And you have to approach it like a normal TV event. But I feel with my fingers every time I'm am way more nervous, sweaty in my hands, and it's it's different than a normal TV event. But I try to approach it like a normal TV event.
5: Well, you're going to go into your next game against Adam Hunt now. The bookmakers made that game with you and Rob Cross a 50-50 game. There was nothing between you and the betting. You're going to go in as a heavy favourite there. Does that bring its own pressures?
7: No. <clears throat> no one can give me more pressure than I do myself, than I give myself. I go up there and I want to hit under average. 100. I'm disappointed in myself. And <clears throat> yeah, well, if you shot a Grand Prix, I was never a favourite in any game, whoever I played. I was never a favorite with the analysts in Holland doing the commentating. I proved them wrong, and I like to be the underdog, so to prove them wrong, like, oh, I can play. Huh? Not, Don't you forget about play. me. I used
5: to not be in the underdog, though, because that's happening. People are recognising No, they
7: shouldn't do that. <laughs> Leave me the underdog, then I'll play well.
5: Let's say Congratulations, and joy, joy Christmas.
7: Cheers, old genius.
6: <laughs> Just going off what you said there to Dan, since we've come back from lockdown, what's changed for you? Because you've been telling us for a, a year, 18 months that you're a good player, but now we're seeing it. What's changed and what's fit that switch for you on TV?
7: <clears throat> the, the, the switch point was uh, beating Mansus I think I was lucky there to beat him because he didn't play his best game, but after that I finally was like, OK, I can do it on stage, and I will do it on stage.
6: So, when you beat Manchester, was that like a relief to, for it to happen? Last yeah,
7: yeah, well, the thing is, you start playing for television. You don't think it's a big thing, but it's, it's a boundary like this, and every time it goes up, 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 every time you lose. And eventually, it's, it's, it's like this, you have to climb it. And I was lucky that Manchester didn't play well, but I break the whole wall down. And after that, I just... Um, I shade. I analysed myself, what's going wrong, and because I won, I could have done that. And after that, okay, preparation isn't good, change preparation, things like that. And I was relaxed, well, well more relaxed. You're always on pressure, under pressure, but yeah.
6: You talked so uh, far about the team around you. Have you now got the perfect team around you in all aspects?
7: Not yet. Uh, I'm not so happy with the player. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think i got a good team and I think I, I will and can extend the, the team in terms of being fit. Um, I do fitness a lot, but I didn't fitness for the last four or five months. Before that I had some big biceps, but I didn't do it because I was scared of injuries, but I was way more fitter like half-time through the year this year. So I want to do something with that, Like I like the fitness as well, like heavy weights as well and I, was just, I didn't do it because I was scared of injuries. And I think there's something to gain there to be more fit and I think it will help you if you play the longer games.
6: Having beaten Rob Cross up there, a man that has won this title, does that give you the belief that you can then go on and win this?
7: I don't know, I don't look at the title. I look at my next opponent, nothing more. As long as I, do, I haven't lost, I can win it. But I just look at game by game.
6: And again, last one from me. Obviously, now you're stuck in the hotel for, for Christmas. What's going to be the plans Is it practice? Or are you going to try and relax while you're over here?
7: Yeah. I To be fair, I would have been uh, devastated if I if I'd lost and uh, couldn't make Christmas at home. But now I'm still in. I don't look at other things than the World Championship. Um, Yeah, of course. uh, You know, you have to sacrifice a lot of things. Um, Now I miss Christmas, but when I played my first round, I missed a, a wedding of a friend. So you have to sacrifice things for your ultimate goal. My ultimate goal is to be world champion, and I don't have. I won't say I will be world champion, but as long as I'm in, I can be, and I'll. You'll sacrifice everything to get that. That's what I'm. That's yeah. What yeah. I'm
6: Congratulations, always. Thank you. Thank you. In many ways, is the fact that you've got to stay over here a good thing because it means you're you're solely focused on on what you say your your ultimate goal.
7: Yeah, true. But I had a lot of requests to have an interview yesterday. Um, well, from Holland, like the big news things. And they want to speak, speak with me and I said, if you only speak about Dodge, you can have an interview. But I'm not speaking about not traveling home if you don't need to get home because I'm still in. Yeah. So I said, we don't do an interview. Okay. Because I don't want to... I kept everyone away who was speaking about not getting home. It was like, why are you speaking with me about getting home, if I'm still in? Why should I get home, yeah.
5: That's fair enough. Um,
6: and just on the World Grand Prix and where you are now, you talk about treating this as a, another TV tournament. What, do you, what have you learned from your experience at the World Grand Prix and are there things you take into this?
7: I try to treat it as a normal TV event, but right. uh, I think it's... Uh, <laughs> If you if you keep all the T V events together, the world is still bigger. But I try to approach it as a normal T V event. But you know it's not. But you you try to do that, you know I know you're in the third round and just happy to do that. But um for myself I would have been I would have been disappointed if I wouldn't have made the third round. For myself, even though I'm playing good players. But if you make three quarterfinals in four TV events, I would have been disappointed if I would have made last 32 in the world.
6: Mm-hmm. All right, pretty. a new time, Doc.
7: Thank you. No problem.
1: Right, let's move it on and let's talk about the game. Another game of the day potentially, Scott. You were covering this on the afternoon session. A potential game of the second round. This one between Simon Whitlock, Simon Whitlock, and Darius Labanowski had just about everything. What a game of doubts this was!
3: No, I couldn't honestly believe Labanowskis made this the game that it was because I think probably seventy-five percent of players would have got blown away with Whitlock, but. You come on to the one six four, no doubt, but it wasn't just that. Oh. It was the fact about one hundred fours, the one one five. Yeah, just everything about him was ultra clinical and yeah, as I say, not everyone in that field would have been able to cope with work as much
1: as he did. I mean Whitlock was Whitlock found nine one eighties in the last twelve legs, Lee, which was mental when you think about it. But as Scott's alluded to that one six four from (laughs) Lamanowskis when your opponent's on 36 for the bats. That's one of the ultra, to quote Dan Dawson, one of the ultra hashtag iron ring shots I have ever seen. Mental from
4: Lucky D. Yeah, it was well, it was game over without the one six four. And Mm. I think I was sitting here thinking, game changer, Darius going into them the fifth set, throwing, he's going into this as favourite. What then was outstanding was the, as we said, Darius made the game what it was. But then the switch in the first lead of the fifth set, yeah. Whitlock coming out and throwing the ten darts straight away, to break throw was just unbelievable. Well, that two minutes of darts action was probably a standout of the first eight days that we've had from one player hitting the one four, and then the reverse of the player reacting and throwing that ten darter to Whitlock, I think, if I was right in saying, was averaging around 128, 129 in that final set before the a two to win it. Um, yeah. What a, what a performance and a reaction from that 164. I'm about to say that the 134, 180,
1: 171, double eight, that is not a bad way to, again, to change momentum. Hashtag the momentum meter. Uh, look, Scott, this is a big thing about Whitlock because. He obviously had the, the freedom of the World Grand Prix when he didn't qualify made a semi-final. Grand Slam of Darts made a semi-final again, made the quarterfinal of the match play earlier on this year. And now he's into the last 32. There is a renaissance about the Wizard. And we always say, how the hell does he stack around in the top 16? Well, this is reasons why he's done that now. Uh, look, if Clayton hadn't won... Uh, Yesterday, he would be world number 16 right now. He's (laughs) £1,000 off Johnny Clayton in the top 16 as we head towards that Masters. But what a game, third round, between Christoph Rutajski, who produced arguably his best TV performance of his career, and Whitlock, who is just enjoying darts and playing darts freely again.
3: I think that's a really good test. I think Rutajski is a great test for everybody, because you pretty much know what average is going to throw, more or less. He's going to take out some things at the right moments again without bringing up the impression of Michael Van Gelden again. Uh, So, yeah, no, I think Whitlock came out after the game and said that there's no one clearly better than him in the world right now. I don't think I would go that far, but I think top four probably is just about right. But if he comes through with high which is a great test, I genuinely think semi final bound for Whitlock, but big big if. I think so.
1: I think so. I, mean, I mean, to be fair, I've got Whitlock knocking out Peter Wright in round four. I'll be brutally yeah. honest, I do. But there we go. Uh, let's move it on, Lee, and let's talk about arguably the performance of the day. And if anybody says otherwise, I'm afraid you are wrong. We normally do a performance of the day on this show, but not today. Because Dimitri Vandenberg against Paul Lim, the legend that is Paul Lim, 10561 um, dropping just two legs, six uh, 180s, in short, that was just class from the World Match Play Champion.
4: Yeah, it, it was outstanding. I, I think when people, and I think we've seen it with Lou Tomfrey in the first round, when you are playing such a legend as a Dane, sometimes your performance isn't there. Does you ignore against who you are playing? Mm. I think Dimitri went up, up there, forgot about who he was playing. Foulter's so on his time and put in a performance to show why he's certainly the match play champion and why he can have a very, very good run, if not double the way this year in the Worlds. Do you know what? I'll,
1: I'll keep on you on this one and then, Scott, will come on to you in a second. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, Paul in legend and all that, but let's talk about Dimitri here because... If we're being honest, in that top section of the draw, he's probably the main threat to Michael Van Gerwen in the top part of the draw. And he's got to play him, in a potential quarterfinals. That's a best-of-nine sets. You mentioned it just there, Lee. Do you realistically think that he's got the game, where, what he's playing at the moment, to defeat Michael Van Gerwen over a nine-setter?
4: Yes. And I think one of the main reasons is not just the performance that you can put in, Today, which I know is over a shorter format. But what will help Dimitri is we've seen is that the no crowd is a benefit to Dimitri, where it's not having the same effect on MVG. It's probably more negative, and MVG would be better with that throw. Um, I know the announcements that we're not going to have a throw back for any of the tournaments. Um, so the fact that that could be a quarter final with no fans, I think, does give Dimitri a bit chance. Um, than what he would have if there was a full house at
1: Salipala. So I appreciate sure he's got to get through Jermaine Watamide, potentially, or Nick Kenny, and then either Dave Chisnall, Keegan Brown, or Danny Knopper to make that court to final. But you'd expect him to do so in that in that section of the draw. What do you think, Scott? Do we really suggest that the, the dream maker can uh, maybe make his world championship dream come true? Surely not. I...
3: I don't see why not though that's the only thing I have to agree with yeah. I don't, I don't understand if we go back to the Grand Slam he played a somewhat average from probably the first four or five games to what he did tonight I have no idea how he lost out to Wade and that's that's the same sort of long haul games is what I'm trying to get at as well as at the match play so can he take MVG out at a long haul of course he can so he's won about ten games this year doing so not against Van Vangeland I understand but Yes, 100% I agree with you. I don't see why not.
1: Oh, thank God Phil Bars isn't here. He'll have something to say about that tomorrow, I'm sure, if he's on the show. Uh, let's move on and let's talk about the rest of the day's action here at Day 8 of the World Darts Championship. Let's start with you, Scott, and we'll talk about Joe Cullen. Um, very comfortable win against Wayne Jones. And I think this is a win that Joe needed, in particular on that World Championship stage, because he hates the Ali pally. He really hates that stage.
3: No, like with a record you can't um, you can say anything different than Joe. It was really good on his scoring, but the the double one was absolutely t- tragic to be honest. But just when just didn't get going and it wasn't there to, to punish him at any point. As you say, three nils the right score. There was no pressure under him really at
1: any point. Move on, yeah. Just, <laughs> just clearly, yeah. <laughs> Simple, so simple enough game, doubts, and if you hit your doubles, you win. Uh, Joe, and you score well, you win. Joe Cullen against Johnny Clayton, fifteen and sixteen in the world potentially, uh, playing each other. So one of them will be uh, losing out some money uh, in that one. Uh, let's move it on, Lee. You are up next, and you're talking about Brendan Dolan against Edward Folks. Now Edward Folks is look. I thought Edward Folks here, if he double, if he had better on the doubles, because he presented, he was five or twenty. He missed so many chances. If he if he if hit some of those doubles, I re- I really reckon we could have had a different conversation. But it's like Gina campus says, My grandmother had wheels, she made a bike.
4: <laughs> yeah, and I think there was a, a and then there's another crucial part in the game around doubles. Um set three, I believe, where the both had um darts to win the set. Yeah, they did, if yeah. Edward if Edward Fultz then takes that and those two one up. The pressure then that would be on Dolan, I I then believe that Felt would have gone on and caused an upset. That was such a really... crucial time in the game, but because obviously Dolan going in front, the belief then sort of went out of Felt into that fourth set, um, which Dolan then was quite convincing in that one.
1: It's interesting as well because he said in the interview that you can uh, watch right now on onlinedarts.com or via YouTube searching onlinedarts TV, but he's he's goal is to win the world championship now people will go his his objective is to win the world championship and he says anybody else might laugh at me but fair enough I don't care but in a way I quite like that from Brendan because if you're not there to win the tournament without sounding rude what the hell are you doing there
3: no absolutely I wouldn't put a penny on it but I I, I absolutely 100% agree with you actually there's no point in aiming for the last 16 or something like that, really, mm. is there? What, are you are just going to get to the last 16 and lose? No, not 100% appreciate his attitude. And he always is quite upbeat about his game. That's the way you have to be. So, no, I don't see anything wrong with it at all.
1: But I uh, will not put any money on it, <laughs> if you don't mind. <laughs> That's certainly going to be one that I might lay. Uh, right, <laughs> moving on. Scott, you uh, saw the Danny Knoppert game against uh, African qualifier Cameron Corollison. Knoppy winning this one, 3-1. But again, if we're going to talk about missing darts at doubles, goodness me, Corollison, that was another chance to create a huge upset there. 9 of 31 on the checkouts on your Adipali debut. I don't wish to be rude because you never know how much darts he's played over the, over the year, but you've got to improve your double if you're going to knock out someone against, like Danny Noppa, even if Knoppy, as he was tonight, was well off the pace
3: so far off I don't want to be cruel to either of them, but I feel like the draw won this game for Noppert rather than Noppert winning it himself. No. I, I don't... Again, about 90% of our players I think would have beat Noppert tonight and it would be about 90% of players already out thinking, why couldn't I have just got this boy. But it wasn't tragic, as you say. He didn't disgrace himself at all, but he was given about 30 chances in the game and took about five. So... No, without meaning to be cruel about either of them, I think that's one they just need to go take the money and forget about it.
1: Let's just say, this one will not be replayed on Sky Sports' Darts Classics anytime soon. <laughs> no. As, as to be fairly, will not be the game between Devin Peterson and Steve Lennon. Again, I think I, think I read a stat saying from, from Jay Shaw from Live Darts that there was 116 missed doubles in the first two matches of tonight's <sighs> session. That is mental. For a kickoff, Lennon Lennon ended up 7 of 46 on the outer ring league. That's just not good enough if you're going to win games at the World Championship. It's just not.
4: Yeah, so I'd, I'd seen a stat as well from our, our friends at Premium Dart Data. It was the second highest, most missed starts at the best of five match. And <laughs> I think um, with 72, 72 overall. Um, Jesus. That. But once again, it seemed to, there was a lot of misstarts. Obviously, however, it seemed to me that Peterson was still in control of the day, and it sounds silly because of how many there was. But he seemed the more comfortable and the most likely to have that finish. I think Devon's obviously one eighty team was there um, to see that their averages was at Devon. I think Devon was on eighty nine. To see that mm. someone's on an 89 average, but missing that many amounts of dart shows the storing power was there. Um, hopefully, it was just an off night for Devon and that will improve them moving forward so he can have a good run. But it, it's another one that's certainly not going to make that classic show.
1: <laughs> Definitely not. Uh, the only problem I've got with Devon here, though, Lee, is that since that Euro tour win, he's just, would you agree, he's just dropped a little bit. In terms of his, his scoring power a little bit, I, I, I don't want to go back to it, but I think it's genuinely, I think it's since he told Michael Van Gerwen that he's living in his head rent free, that it just seems to have just completely gone for him a little bit. He's just hopefully going to get a nice little jump back, but obviously not the best get round three game for him though, mate, because he's playing Michael Smith or Jason Lowe.
4: Yeah, and I, and I think when we're talking about earlier around Simon Whitlock and Brendan Dolan they, about their confidence in their press conferences, um Devon's come out today and he's complaining about his wrist, and I know he's had issues um, with his wrist that have been um, well documented. For me, it's I, I don't want to hear a player coming into a World Championship and having some something to complain about, even if they are issues. I think they should be tapped. Whereas I'm the same where I don't think Dolan will be winning the World Championship this year and I wouldn't be putting a penny on it. However, the confidence is there. Where you're not seeing that from, Devon, where we have done previously, and I think that the draw against, um, obviously it's Michael Smith or Jason Lowe. If it is Michael Smith, who um, I've tipped to win it this year, I think to right. be a very, very difficult day for Devon um, if his doubles are where they are today. Brave man tipping Michael Smith to
1: win a television tournament. I tell you what, what, what a way to do it! If he were to come through and win this tournament when he got the final two years ago, he would get, he would jump back, uh, he would jump back into position potentially to be well. He would definitely jump back into being world number four. Um, which would keep him in the Premier League so let's see what happens there but that is the day then that is day 8 of the World Darts Championship we're halfway through this tournament already uh, 16 days of action we've had 8 of them and this is what happened on day 8 in round 2 Brendan Dolan 3 Edward Fox 1 Joe Cullen 3 Wayne Jones 0 Simon Whitlock 3 Darius Labanowskis 2 and Danny Baggish 3 Adrian Lewis 1 who had that result coming? Not many I'll tell you that uh, Danny Knopper 3 Cameron Corollison 1 kicked off the evening session tonight. Uh, Devin Peterson and Steve Lennon, that one finished 3-1 to Devon. Uh, Dirk van Dijvenbode on the last dart, with a 12-dart uh, pinging it to win We're on the 99-out shot to beat Rob Cross 3-2 and then Dimitri Vandenberg putting out a 105.6 average in a 3-0 win over Paul Lim. So two former champions are out. Uh, another world champion makes his bow tomorrow. This is how the schedule looks on day nine, the last day before Christmas. Oh, God, I don't like the Christmas break. Uh, but this is what we've got for you. Final eight games from round two. Ricky Evans takes on Mickey Mansell. The world champion that makes his bow, the flying Scotsman, the two time back to back. Gary Anderson takes on Latvia's Mardis Rasma, Razma. Stephen Bunting will take on Andy Bolton, of course, with David Het- uh, uh, Het- Hedman, who's uh, who he beat uh, earlier on in the week. And Mentos Sudovic will face Matthew Edgar. Into the evening session, Daytisle against Keegan Brown, Jermaine Watamina against Nick Kenny, Nathan Aspinall against Scott Waits. Remember that game from the Players' Championship finals? That could be interesting. And then the final game before Christmas is Michael Smith against Jason Lowe. Uh, Scott, um, I'll go with you first on this one. Give me a tie of the day, please. What game are you looking forward to the most before we uh, head off for our Christmas break?
3: I think definitely that one. You made a point in mentioning there, Aspinall against Waits which mm. should have had his head at the Players' Championships. Aspinall has been a bit up and down lately, so if he catches him on a down date, we could have an early scalp. So, in brief, that one I think is going to be quality.
4: Uh, Lee, are you uh, going elsewhere or are you picking that one as your game of the day, mate? I was down to pick that one. I'll pick another one. Probably my other one's in the evening session as well. Um, Dave, Tuesday, and Teethan Brown. I think the... Uh, and Brown... Um, I would have fancied now um to take this one but the Teeth and Brown performance it was very impressive I thought it drive me Dr. 3 mm. Uh mid-90s I believe on the average um, yeah. and I always think having that stage experience this week with no crowd getting used to it already we're not sure what cheesy were up there um, I think we could be seeing that one go all the way um, I think that'll be that'll be up there it's, got to, it's hard to not Psyaspinal and Whites, does it what happens before and how well Whites played against Matt Campbell the other day? But um, if I had to pick another one, it would be Cheesy and Brown.
1: I'm gonna be a very controversial little sod here. And I'm gonna say that there is genuinely, in my opinion, there's genuinely four seeds, even potentially five, that could be going tomorrow. We haven't really had Seed again, really. We've only had six go seeds. We could make double figures. I'm going to say this: Matthew Edgar, who can give Mensel Sudovich a good game, if he if he repeats the way he hit on the doubles, Mensel could be in real trouble because we haven't really seen him play much since uh, you know over the last couple of months because obviously he's had a family bereavement. Yeah. Andy Ed, Bolton is. Go on, sorry, so mate. So I was just
3: going to say, Edgar's been giving it alarms as well, trying to get in his head before this. Well, of so. course he has. That's <laughs> Matthew Edgar. <laughs> yeah. Edgar Mania it, is running wild over the World Dance Championship. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'm here for every single
1: second of it. No, I don't disagree with that at all. I also think Andy Bolton could beat Stephen Bunting, because I think Bolton is playing some really good stuff at the moment. Obviously, Scott Waits can beat Nathan Aspinall, as we've mentioned. Nick Kenny. As well as one to watch, because Jermaine Watamina only loses heartbreakers on TV. That is just—it's death taxes. That's what happens. But what I'm going to throw at you, gentlemen, if Mardas Rasma gets going on the triple nineteens, <laughs> Gary Anderson Lee is in
4: for a fight tomorrow afternoon. As soon as you went through that list, I knew you was down to tell us with Rasmu and Anderson as your last one um it's it's what anderson it's what Anderson would get um, obviously with the troubles he's having with his injury it, it is all dependence that for me is on what Anderson turns up. I expect Rasma to be around that ninety five ninety six around thirty five percent doubles and troubling Anderson throughout. but we know what power storing and Darry Anderson has got. Mm. and if Darry Anderson brings that tomorrow. There is only one winner, but it's will that there. The thing is, is, that I've spoken uh, with someone who's pretty close to Gary
1: and said that because obviously he's had to self-isolate for a little while because uh, someone who he was uh, in close contact with tested positive for COVID, he's actually had to practice for a couple of weeks. <laughs> and that, Scott, is a dangerous Gary Anderson if he is actually practicing.
3: <laughs> no, absolutely. But as I don't want to be cruel. I don't know them on a personal level, but... Gary Anderson can he get himself up for this with everything that's going on around him you see at some tournaments his his heart isn't in it at the best of times so we've mentioned about a dozen players so far that just look as if there got other things on their mind does he have all his attention on the doubts? I'm not sure I haven't said that name. No one wakes free. No guy Anderson for a step.
1: <laughs> 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 a Scott back in the Scott. What a surprise! But no, seriously, I think if Marlos Rasma gets going on that show, nineteen. Remember, he hit forty-nine of the bloody things in his round one victory over Toro Suzuki. So watch out. But that is it for the World Championship Daily Day Eight. Lee Boyce, Scott Mitchell, gentlemen, it's been a pleasure at guiding you through on uh, guiding you through uh, the day's action appreciate you joining us at such a late hour as always on debut very very well done thank you very much gentlemen,
3: oh, thank you very much, gentlemen.
1: <laughs> indeed it is honestly a pleasure uh, to talk darts with everybody from the online darts team here and uh, we are done then for day eight so what have we learned well we've learned that two world champions are out dirt van divan boda with a l with a 99 checkout to beat rob cross three two in the deciding leg with cross on double six for the match. And Danny Baggish, his brother, suffering a severe stroke in the States, he goes out and beats the two-time back-to-back world champion, Adrian Lewis, by three sets to one, to be the only international qualifier into the last 32. Also through to the last 32, Simon Whitlock beating Darius Dabanowskis in an absolute classic as well. A brilliant, brilliant game of darts. Dimitri Vandenberg producing a 105.6 average to beat Paul Lim. Also through Joe Cullen, Brendan Dolan, Danny Knopper, and Devin Peterson. So today, as you're listening, it is the last day of action in round two. It's the last day before we have the Christmas break. And you can follow it all with us always from 12 o'clock on OnlineDarts.com. You can find us right there with a live blog. We'll have it for you. So if you are still at work, if you are out and about getting your last minute Christmas shopping in, find us right there from 12 o'clock GMT and we will be there uh, for you, guiding you through all of the action. Make sure, of course, you as well as follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. We'll give regular updates on there as well. Search OnlineDarts on any one of those platforms to join us. And of course, find us on YouTube right now on uh, Online Darts TV on there. You can get all the interviews that we've done today uh, with the interviews that we haven't managed to play you inside this uh, podcast. And I'll be back tomorrow alongside Cam McFarlane and Phil Bars where we will review all the action from day nine as we round off round two of the World Darts Championship. Thanks again for listening to us here at Online Darts. We appreciate you coming back to us every single day. Take care and we will see you soon.